This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. The number of people who die of an opioid overdose on the CTA doubled from 2021 to 2022, reaching 60 deaths last year. That's according to an investigation by the Chicago Reader. Though these deaths make up a small percentage of the total overdose-related deaths in the city, they are set apart by their very public nature. Now, yesterday, we talked to the reporter who pinned down that data and dived into the stories behind the numbers, as well as a few stakeholders. Let's take a listen. Every overdose death is, in fact, preventable. But we have gotten used to the idea of, oh, if you're unhoused, you're going to die young. That's just tragic and sad. Or, oh, if you use drugs, you're taking your life into your own hands. That's just tragic and sad. And so these like deaths that are happening all around us aren't seen as newsworthy. Today, we dig more into the city's strategies to address this issue. We're joined by CTA Chief Equity and Engagement Officer, Denise Barreto. Welcome to Reset, Denise. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And Sarah Richardson, Program Manager for the Chicago Department of Public Health. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'll start with you, Denise. Uh, The CTA can become a landing ground for people who use drugs and uh, who may not have stable housing or access to adequate care. So knowing that, how do you see CTA's role in this opioid crisis? Thank you for asking me. First of all, I see CTA's role in the ecosystem of caring for people in Chicago and Chicagoland. We have a vital role, right? We're actually the artery of caring for people because we are responsible for their mobility. And I mean that both physically and metaphorically. And so I want, first of all, I want to say You know, I listened to the segment and Katie made the comment that, you know, we're used to it. I am not used to it. Right. The urgency around this for me and for a lot of people at CTA, we we care about the people that are in our premises and and we are not used to this. Are you talking about being used to the number of deaths? Yeah, absolutely. Like it is not um, something that we, you know, overlook or, you know, I I just, you know, it just jumped out even in the segment we just replayed it, you know, that people are used to it. I think lots of people are numb to it. We are not. We understand the urgency of what is happening right now. Mm -hmm. and, And that's why I'm here. Yeah, and and speaking of that, you're going to be hitting your 100 days in this new role in November, and it is actually the first time that the CTA has a person who's dedicated to equity. You say that you have an aggressive agenda, (laughs) given all of that, right? What's included in that aggressive agenda? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I want to give a nod um, to President Carter's leadership in um, even understanding the need to have this role um, because CTA is not new to equity. Okay. So that's the first thing I want to say. CTA has been on a path to be making itself more equitable. Um, the, the, the idea that having a chief level position at it, this, that's what's new, right? And having someone dedicated to it. And when I say my aggressive first 100 days, it's really focused on three things. Number one, listening. When I tell you I've been listening these last 14 weeks, I am listening. I'm listening um, to our employees writing the uh, in addition to writing the purple and green line in every single day. I've been getting up and writing the blue line overnight or writing the red line because I want to listen to our operators. I want to understand people's experiences. So listening and really understanding the experience, not from just the point of view of where I live in Evanston, but to understand the system and what is happening. Second is our equity and engagement sort of vision and mission. And I can't build that without data. So right now I'm excited to tell you that right now we have our um, talent 
uh, performance management um, survey open, and we added 10 questions about equity and belonging. And and under, for me to be able to get an understanding, a baseline understanding of where we are both individually but collectively so that I can build a vision, a framework, and a work plan. And finally, most importantly, has to do with our government and community relations. We have reimagined that team, and we've aligned it for the work that we have ahead, right? There is a fiscal cliff that everyone keeps talking about, you all particularly. Yeah. And so we, I am the, I'm the quarterback, if you will. I'm not the team. I'm the quarterback on pulling together the team that's going to go down to Springfield and talk to our legislators starting next week at yeah. veto session. Well, let, let's dig into some of that work that is uh, that is ahead. The CTA is partnering with the Chicago Department of Public Health to bring a Narcan vending machine to the 95th Red Line stop. Sarah, why don't you tell us about that project and, and when folks can expect to see it installed? Yeah, thank you. So the public health vending machine project is putting five public health vending machines, which will have Narcan, as well as fentanyl test strips and xylazine test strips and hygiene kits and menstrual hygiene kits and socks and underwear um, in a couple of public locations around the city in areas where we do see the highest sort of concentrations of overdoses on our northwest, south, and central areas. So one of those machines will be launching at the 95th Red Line CTA uh, station in the north terminal outside of the turnstiles within the next two weeks. It's due to be delivered next week sometime, and then we'll get it up and running. And the other four machines are um, at the Harold Washington Library downtown, the Uptown Library on the north side, the DFSS 10 South Kedzie Community Service Center on the west side, and we have a fish machine also on the south side at the Roseland Triage Center. So yesterday we had Daniel Russick on the program. He's a Chicagoan who's spent uh, the past decade or so in and out of homelessness. And he's also a, a drug user who has used Narcan and he carries his own around trying to help other people. Here's a little bit of what he had to say. I don't think that uh, Narcan should be on the 95th Red Line Station because people don't go out down to the south side for drugs, for, you know, fentanyl or heroin. I think it should be on the green line on the west side because that's predominantly where the open air market is. What are your thoughts on what Daniel had to say there, Sarah? Yeah, thanks for playing that. I mean, I think the reality is that there is not a single community in the city of Chicago unaffected by drug overdose. And certainly the west side, and particularly the Garfield Park area and North Lawndale and Austin, are very disproportionately impacted by opioid overdose. So the point is well taken, and that's why we are going to have one of our machines at the 10 South Kedzie location. But the South Side is very affected by overdose, and I think perhaps is not as much captured in that narrative of the Chicago drug tr crisis, but Roseland um, and Chatham, Auburn, Gresham area in particular, are very affected by opioid overdose, and it's important for us to think equitably um, about where we locate our services and make sure that folks in every community area have access to Narcan. So the Chicago Reader investigation, it found that more than half of overdose deaths on the CTA, they happened on the blue line. Mm -hmm. uh, the CTA didn't track these numbers, Denise, and you're still fairly new to the role, but I'm, were you surprised by this? Um, I was, I am surprised because I'm brand new, yeah. um, but I was talking to Katie during her investigation and didn't comment then, but I will be part of her second story. And, and what I will tell you is, we, we are looking at this and we see it. And so I'm glad to hear that, um, I'm glad to hear my counterpart at the public health department, you know, that they're aware as well because they're, 
sort of we're partnering with them on that. And in the part, whatever we do, we're going to be partnering. Another, you know, I was glad to hear what he said about the blue line, um, only because we have a, a suburban mayor that is on, um, you know, on the blue line that is asking to do this and wants to partner. So I am going to call out my asked about the green. Yeah, line too. the green line, too. Yeah. And so I'm calling out my friends at the Cook County Public Health Department because, you know, some of that is outside of um, Sarah's jurisdiction. But but Cook County Public Health Department absolutely could partner with this mayor mm-hmm. who is very eager um, to have Narcan and have outreach and have, you know, get folks in the blue line and the green line because that's where a lot of the activity and we think that could be helpful because then that can maybe fill in some of the spaces where. Yeah, we asked uh, Chicago Reader reporter Katie Prout to just give us a, a few reasons as to why that could be, why there were so many overdose deaths mm-hmm. on the, the blue line. And she says, you know, well, the blue line travels alongside mm-hmm. a road nicknamed Heroin Highway by law enforcement. Um, she also mentioned that uh, it travels through uh, neighborhoods with higher overdose-related deaths, so Austin, sure, um, West and East Garfield Park, and that it runs 24 hours. That's right. So there's there's that as well. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you specifically, Denise, what does engagement efforts look like on the blue line right now? Well, right now we have our partners, um, Haymarket, and some other partners that are doing um, outreach. Doing they, I mean, there's Haymarket has a whole system, I believe, at O'Hare Airport. Um, which is the blue line 24 hours. So, um, I know that all of this is, is con- constantly under review and we're looking at it. And again, still getting my arms around it and, and going to be working hand in hand with the Chicago part, you know, public health department and hopefully the Cook County public health department soon. If you're just tuning in, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we're talking with CTA Chief Equity and Engagement Officer Denise Barreto and Sarah Richardson, who's the Chicago Department of Public Health's program manager about the city's efforts to address opioid overdoses on the CTA. Yesterday, we talked with some stakeholders on the topic. You can find that interview at wbez.org slash reset or in our podcast feed that is available wherever you listen. Uh, so how does the CTA prepare staff to, to handle the issue, Denise? Because I, I imagine it's really heavy emotionally uh, to hear that someone in your bus or train car is in crisis. But I also know that CTA does not supply their staff with Narcan or, or train them on how to use it. Walk me through that decision. There. Sure. So what what's happening right now is we are going to be alerting folks and making sure we're, they're not going to be trained on Narcan, on Narcan because, again, it is outside of our, you know, our physical. There's not our folks are not going to be interacting with it. But you're right. Um, we have been boosting our mental health um services to them um, because this is to trauma. the employees to the employees absolutely because this is trauma right it's it's trauma that they're adjacent to and listen we we are doing the best we can to do the job that we need to do which is move people and 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 the the idea of us adding the layer of complexity related to Narcan. I, I mean, I'm going to be real with you. We, we have collective bargaining agreements. We have folks who um are traumatized themselves by just their job and and we're in a we're in a moment coming out of our pandemic where um overtime and things that you know things the way that we have operated has had to adjust and evolve and we're a 76 year old agency right and so it's not fast enough for what you know folks think but we are our eyes on the ball but you, you know that there is a big call though absolutely from, from advocates to 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 change that because i mean Narcan is, is proven to, to save lives and, and it could 
help you prevent a lot of these overdose deaths. And so knowing that, why wouldn't the CTA take that step? Well, the way that we're taking that step is partnering, right? Because we don't have the ability to take this on and not in a thoughtful and comprehensive way that we should. And so it would be silly for me to say that we can do that. And so that's why we've reimagined our government and community relations department, particularly the community, focused on community. We want to get people that do this for a living to get involved. That's why I'm calling on my partners um, like the Cook County Public Health Department, and I'm glad that we're already partnering with the Chicago, because we are, obviously we're in the business of the people business Mm -hmm. of moving people, but we can't take on all of it. So it's going to be through partnerships. That's yeah. and, and that I am absolutely on. I'm open to and still building. And that's part of that listening. When you heard me say the three aggressive things I'm doing, uh, in addition to listening internally, listening to our legislators and the things that they have to say, I'm listening to community advocates and making um, relationships with them so that they can help guide what we're going to be able to do. The investigation also found 57% of those who died of an overdose on the CTA were black in the last few years. How are you approaching that piece of, of the crisis, knowing that uh, that's an equity issue yeah, on many levels, including racial and, and class Socioeconomic, disparities. all of it. Well, first of all, one of the people that we're talking to is Representative LaShawn Ford. Um, I don't know how much you've talked to him. What I would say is... A lot. He, okay. He, he's, he's who I look to in terms of helping us because um, it's important for us to understand what we don't understand. And again, I'm in week 14 and I've been running a sprinting since I got there. But but as soon as Katie flagged for me, right, that was in week eight. Um, that's when we began our outreach to understand, you know, who are the people that are already in this space? Who are the people that are the experts? Um, and, and I'm new to transit, but I'm not new to equity and I'm not new to justice. And, and it is a justice issue. Sarah, something that uh, Chicago Reader reporter Katie Prout points out in her stories, these deaths can seem to go unnoticed, despite their very public nature, as I mentioned earlier. A high percentage of these overdose deaths in Chicago also happen in more private spaces. So how, how does the city's harm reduction efforts change depending on the location that people may be using drugs? Yeah, that's a great question. So when we think about um, fatal and non-fatal overdoses in the city, about 50% of them each year happen outside on streets, streets and roads. Another approximately 9 to 10% are happening on or quite near public transit, and that includes buses and bus stops. But about 30% really consistently are happening in private residences. And so you're absolutely right. Sort of public health intervention changes depending on kind of where we're seeing those overdoses and what the opportunity might be to respond So one thing that we're trying on the west side, we just started piloting this year, is an opioid response team. We're starting on the west side because, as we've said, that is the absolute epicenter of the overdose crisis in the city of Chicago. And what we do is we send a Chicago Fire Department paramedic and a peer recovery coach with lived experience themselves of substance use or overdose and recovery out to follow up with people who overdosed the previous day or the day before. So so 24 to 48 hour follow up. And we're going to people's homes, right, where they overdose or where we can find them to have conversations about harm reduction, treatment, about the sort of homeless services and um, supportive services that folks may need. And we're finding that that program is really connecting with folks that are experiencing overdoses in those more private spaces. Yeah. And so we're able to make the connection. And then they're having sort of ongoing relationships with our peers 
who can coach them through and travel through with them on a journey towards safer use patterns and perhaps treatment and recovery. We're just about out of time, Denise, but I, I want to close with this. We had Sheila black Henneke on yesterday. She's a mom who lost her mm-hmm. son to an overdose on the CTA back in 2021. Mm-hmm. Now she wants more outreach. She's doing that work herself. Just briefly wrap this up for us. Yeah. Outreach strategy. What does that look like moving forward? What's on the horizon? What's on the horizon? Give us something to hold on to. Yes. A, a lot of people are dying. Yes, absolutely. And I want you to know that it's high on our priority. It's on our minds. And we are aggressively looking for partners who can help us with it. So I'm glad to hear Sheila and folks like her are out there, um, you know, doing this work. We want to raise their voices and invite them to the table with us. We'll have to leave it there. Denise Barreto is Chief Equity and Engagement Officer for the Chicago Transit Authority. Sarah Richardson, Program Manager at Chicago Department of Public Health. Thank you both so much.